Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 18. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am very excited to introduce my special guest today, Marshall Buck. Marshall, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Yes, I am, Mark. Thank you. Good to be here. Marshall Buck has been an automotive enthusiast since childhood. At the young age of 15, he designed an electric slot car racetrack set, presented it to the R&D group at Aurora Toys, and actually started doing freelance work for them. Later in life, while working in the fast and crazy-paced world of audio production and television, Marshall continued to build model cars for himself and a few select customers, and in 1982, after a well-heeled client convinced Marshall to go full bore into model making, he's never looked back. His models have garnered much publicity and praise worldwide. Marshall's client list is a virtual who's who of some of the movers and shakers in the world. Marshall founded Creative Miniature Associates in 1982, now known as CMA Models Incorporated. In 1998 and again in 2006, he was asked to guest curate two special model exhibitions for the Stamford Museum and Nature Center in Stamford, Connecticut. Both shows were a resounding success and the museum was rewarded with record-breaking attendance for those two exhibitions, more so than for any of their other shows. Marshall's models are truly works of art. So Marshall, I've told our listeners a little about you, so please take some time and share some more about your history, your business, your interests, and your passion for automobiles. Wow, that's <laughs> that, that's, that's a tall order. I have, uh, and probably more so because my tastes and interests are so varied. I love models, um, I love automobiles, um, and pretty much uh, art, collectibles, anything that's done to a really great, great standard. I love detail. Automobiles have always been something that I've been fascinated by since I was a kid, and it was probably uh, a lot of friends of my parents used to show up in some pretty great cars. I just, I loved them. I didn't realize how great they were at the time. I knew they were a little bit special, and I think it was that that involvement of just being around that. Nobody else in the family was into cars, but for some reason I had the uh, car gene somewhere in my DNA. It's just, it's stuck ever since. Always collecting toys, playing with uh, playing with cars, playing with little you know, toy trucks, slot cars, racetracks, designing and always just trying to imagine, uh, you know, what I could do and what I'd like to do. Picking up books, magazines, reading about these things. And then, you know, if I could, you know, trying it. I, mean, I remember the first time I, uh, one of the first model kits I uh, tried to put together. And I say try because it was a complete disaster. And the one after that wasn't much better either. You know, but perseverance, tenacity, and, and just, uh, you know, you keep going at it. It's, it's the, you know, one of the one adage uh, that I also like uh, say to people and that I, I pretty much live by is, you know, you get knocked down, you pick yourself up, you dust yourself off, and you, and you get back in it. If there's something that you really feel strongly about and you really love to do, you know, you should go for it. There's certainly easier ways to uh, to make a living than uh, the way I've chosen, but it, it's uh, it's also been uh, very very rewarding too. Um, part of it is I'm just a very independent person, so my personality um, is probably best suited for being able to 
set up my own business and and run it. But um, it wouldn't have happened without really being pushed into it from a few factors. So one of my customers, when I was building models on the side many years ago, I worked as uh, was one of the managers at a video facility, a post-production facility in Manhattan, uh, Broadway Video. And I was very unhappy there, but it was just what I was doing. It was a job at the time, and I was building model cars on the side uh, for myself to supplement and selling to just a few customers to supplement what I was spending on my own hobby. One day, one of my customers asked, he said, what, what do you do um, when you're not building models for me? And uh, I told him, we started talking, and uh, one thing led to another, and by the end of the conversation, it was basically, you know, he said, well, you know, you're really good at this, and uh, I, I think, you know, you could do this, and you could do that, and, you know, he uh, he backed me, put me into the business. I gave my notice at the facility and, and started on this uh, crazy ride, and it's been uh, on-the-job training ever since. Wow. Well, I think so many young children, especially boys, built models when they were kids. I was one of them. The thought back then that I could actually grow up and do that for a living was complete fantasy. So you fulfilled a fantasy that so many young kids and, and young boys have had that they could actually grow up and build models. But the models that you build are far from the plastic snap together or glue together models that most of us think of when we think of models. Perhaps you could talk a little bit, and we'll get into it more a little later on, but the complexity of the model cars that you're building and the, the types of manufacturing that you're doing, perhaps you could touch on that a little bit. What I got into, I mean, and it's just been, I, I, I'm, I'm not even sure where to begin. There, there's just so much to it, but it, it just, it really evolved. I guess that's one of the best ways you could put it because I did start by just simply, you know, building kits and then slightly improving them. And then reading a book or magazine and saying, gee, you know, this kit or this model doesn't look anything like the car, or this wrong, this is wrong, or that's wrong, and starting to improve, learning, honing my skills, reading about things wherever I could, you know. So I, everything I've done has all been self-taught, which is good in some ways, and in other ways it's taken me a heck of a lot longer to get to where I am because of that. Models now, it's everything from taking an existing kit that you can buy on the shelf and radically modifying it and improving it and, uh, you know, throwing out a lot of what's there and adding new parts, fabricating pieces and doing, you know, what's akin to a mini, uh, you know, restoration or fabrication of, of a real car um, to my production line models, the, the CMA limited editions, which, you know, those start from complete scratch, you know, of, uh, seeing something, a car, researching it, you know, you go through the whole process of uh, drawings and creating the original master model and then having molds and castings done and parts produced and, and on and on. I mean, uh, that's really an overly simplified um, explanation of it, but that's, that's sort of where that is. Well, so if I had a very unique automobile in my collection and I wanted a model of it to put on my desk so I could look at it every day, I could come to you and say, build me one. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, and I, I've I've gotten an awful lot of that over the years, and uh, you know everybody's got different budgets and and different th what I call thresholds of pain as to what they, you know, what they're willing to pay for, uh, you know, for a fine model. And uh, some of the people that I have as customers are you know ultra serious automobile collectors as well as model collectors, art collectors, etc. Others are just occasional, or you've got I have some customers that you know, have one nice car, and then they've got huge model collections. Um, there's no rhyme or reason to it. Um, everybody has different interests and collects differently. But certainly, um, I, I have uh, built 
many models, you know, uh, of uh, customers' cars, you know, uh, something they own or have owned, and then, of course, you know, everything else in between. Well, sounds like you're having a huge amount of fun. Uh, you're just a, a little kid at heart. Sometimes, you know, I've 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 been called everything from from uh, that, yeah, from a little kid and somebody who never grew up, and in a lot of ways, I still haven't grown up. One customer used to refer to me as uh, Santa Claus. Um, another one, when I present him with some really great items, uh, refers to me as being as bad as the the local crack dealer, and so it's just uh, you know. <laughs> But it's all, you know, it's, it's it's all in good fun, and you know, and I realize, you know, what I do, I love it. I take it very seriously. Um, it's not going to change the world, and it's certainly these are items that people really like and they appreciate it. But nobody needs it, and I don't kid myself for a moment that I'm doing anything that's, you know, akin to uh, being a, a surgeon or a scientist who makes a great discovery. Um, but it's. Uh, it's a high level of uh, craftsmanship. You know, some people call it an art. I, I'm, I'm uncomfortable with that, so I just refer to it as a high level of, uh, of craftsmanship, uh, the way that you have that in certain other industries. Well, I've seen the models you make, and I would call it art. And I love the fact that you think of yourself sometimes as never having grown up, because good for you. Uh, that's a, a nice way to go through life, is, is to be happy and joyful of what you're doing, and that's what Cars Yeah is all about. So I appreciate you sharing that story. As we continue on your journey, I'd like to start with a success quote, a saying that maybe has been instrumental in forming your success in your life. It's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars Yeah. So take the wheel, Marshall. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'll go by something that I consider pretty um, pretty uh, obvious and uh, straightforward, and I've heard um, other people say it on occasion, but it's something that I pretty much apply on a, on a daily basis. Um, which is just simply never say never because you never know what opportunities are going to present themselves or what idea is going to come across your path, um, how something's going to turn out, who you're going to meet, and just what you can do and what you think you may never be able to do today, tomorrow you might be able to, or five years from now because what I'm doing now, I never thought in my wildest dreams as a child that I'd be able to do. I mean, that, that's, that pretty much sums up the never say never. Love that. Never say never. That's a great way to go through life. And you answered my next question about how you do incorporate that into your business and your life. Could you share with us a story that instigated your passion for cars? Tell us that pivotal moment in your life when you really knew you were a car guy. Oh, boy. Um, well, that would go back to, I guess, when I was a kid. Is that acceptable? For, oh, of course. For, well, again, going back to um, where I grew up and a lot of our, our friends uh, that had uh, some really great cars. Uh, and they, it was anywhere from friends of ours to um, uh, friends and customers of my father's uh, that would come by and, and visit and stay with us or, or just be visiting. But down the road from us was one of our good family friends, um, uh, where we lived, there were a number of uh, airline uh, captains, and uh, he always had uh, ha- always had a new Porsche. So this is going back into the you know early 1960s. Uh, I remember one day when uh, it was just something about that car. One day when he came to our house and he'd gotten a new 356 Cabriolet. Remember, it was a pale yellow. I can't remember the color of the interior, but top down, and you know gave me a ride in it. And then later on, you know, he just kind of joked around it. You know, and they needed he needed a push to help it get going. 
And I was, my gosh, I, I might have been, I don't know, seven, eight years old or something. So, you know, I gave it a push and away it went. And, you know, it, uh, and just hearing that little, uh, you know, air-cooled air engine and just uh, taking off and just the look of the car, the whole thing. I don't know if that's what did it for me, but that is a memory that, that I've had. I mean, sometimes I can't remember what I ate yesterday for lunch, <laughs> but that stuck with me. Sure. You know, there were other great cars, too. I mean, I still love the, the smell of a um, an old you know English interior, particularly you know Con- Connolly hides. Um, man, there's something about the smell. Some of the, the the old Jaguars and the old Rolls Royces and Bentleys, again cars, you know 1960s sort of era. It just you, if you could put that in a can and have it sprayed in a room, you know I'd be buying that probably by the caseload. Okay, listeners, there's a business opportunity for you out there. So you can right. say I got the idea <laughs> listening to Marshall Buck, and the rest right, is and history. I expect then. Uh, a free supply for the rest of my life. <laughs> we'll make sure that happens. <laughs> so, Marshall, what I want to do now is take a look at the roads you've driven down and really crawl under the hood and maybe get our hands a little dirty. I wonder if you could share with our listeners a huge challenge, maybe even a big failure that really pushed you to a breaking point, and more importantly, how you overcame that situation, what you learned from it. Wow. Um, yeah, you know, I, I when I was thinking that one over, um, it, you know, it's... There have been a lot of things, a lot of challenges with this business that I've had over the years. From uh, the industry, as much as it can be fun, you have a, an incredible amount of um, you know people that are just unscrupulous. They have no ethics, no morals, et cetera. And sometimes that gets to be a bit much, you know, particularly when you're dealing with it on a regular basis. Having said that, um, there's a project that I still have in the works many years later from when I originally started and when I had the idea with it. And I will say to pat myself on on the back that I was the first one that had this idea and saw this path and saw the opportunities there. Um, But through things that happen throughout your life, you know, life is what happens while you're making plans. Mm. And boy, I had a lot of plans laid out and (laughs) and some of the twists and turns. Yep, and some of the twists and turns it did certainly did not expect. And unfortunately, it's it's put this project uh, constantly on the back burner, Uh, a burner that's on, but but just. It's it you know it hasn't been in the forefront for a while. It's a 112 scale uh, GT40 Mark II, the 66 Le Mans winner, and I had the idea to do 12 scale models and kits uh, back around 1990, and it was before a lot of other manufacturers came on the scene or were really doing things. And you know then you had some people get wind of it and see what I was doing, and little by little things took off over the years, and other people did what I call copycat runs or ideas or whatever. There are original ideas, but uh, you know an idea is only original once. And um, so I've had this project in the works for many, many years, and I've had to sit by and watch um, a couple of two other manufacturers of mass market items. So that's probably one of the saving graces is that what their items were were mass market. They didn't do all their homework, which is something I'm a firm believer in. You really have to do your research and your homework. And I'm amazed at how many people don't do that still. And just everybody, manufacturers as well as sometimes customers, everybody wants it instantly. You know, it's kind of like everybody's used to, you know, just, you know, you add water, you stir in the mix, and it's done. And, you know, or they think no matter how much money they throw at something, they can have it right away. And that just isn't, it, it, it's just not the case. It's not realistic. And it's certainly not the way you get the best product, whether you're buying it or whether you're making it. It just doesn't happen that way. So I have this GT40 in the works, and I've seen these other two companies come and go with their products. Both of their products were, were very flawed, and some in more ways than others didn't necessarily offer the value. So going back to 
with a challenge in watching that and having had a huge amount of money and time of mine, you know, invested in this, it, you know, it will be going into production. You know, as I, as I said, I've had, I've watched the others, you know, produce what I call, you know, failed <laughs> items. You know, they did them and they sold, but being, perseverance is very important and patience is very important. And I'm not always the most patient person, but I've learned in some areas at least to have patience, you know, throughout life and to persevere. And if you stick it out long enough at times, you'll be rewarded for it and sure. you'll be able to do what you set out to do. And, and that's what I believe you know, will be in this case. Well, perseverance, that's something I've heard over and over from guests on Cars. Yeah, it's so important. So we look forward to, do you have a, a date that you think that model will be available? No, if, 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 and, and if I did, and if I ever quote to you a, a definite date for anything, then take me out back and slap me senseless, <laughs> <because> okay, <laughs> or slap some sense into me. There you go. Um, no, yeah, yeah, the uh, dates... Uh, in the near future. That's the best I can do on that one. <laughs> no problem. We won't hold your feet to the fire. So, Marshall, let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd like you to share a story when you had an aha moment about your business, a time when you realized that your idea, your concept, being a model maker, you were really going to make us. If you could take us through those moments of success, I would say it's sort of it's a little bit twofold or maybe threefold. Um, when I had been backed and put into business and opened up the doors in 1982, I'd been doing it for a while, you know, ups and downs, and simply you know building models and buying and selling some great pieces. And of course, you know, there were other companies and specialist firms, particularly in Europe, that were doing some great limited edition hand built models. And what I call true limited editions, not the way everybody throws that saying around today now. And you know, we're, uh, we joke about it, but, you know, oftentimes with companies, you know, when they say limited edition, you know, it's only limited to how many they can sell or they think they can sell. And it's just. Yeah, I've seen some cars like that, the LTD. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. <laughs> you bet. So um, with the models, and it was back, I guess, around, probably around 1988, and uh, maybe it was a little earlier than that, 87, 88. And I realized that. Um, one of the ways that I needed to do to sort of expand for myself and have a flow of uh, you know of money, though it's it's oftentimes it goes out a lot quicker than it ever comes in, and, and to do something further with my business and and what I saw in the future for myself and for models and collecting uh, was to produce my own runs um, to have my own the CMA editions. It just struck me one day. I had a uh, customer that kept saying, "Well, you know, I've got this." Uh, Aston Martin pattern and you know if you ever want to use it or do anything with it and I started thinking more and more and then uh, and everything was sort of lining up Aston Martin was going to be the featured mark at the Monterey Historics in 1989 it was picking up more interest in the collector car world just a whole host of things were happening and I thought geez you know again I could have my own production runs made I could do this I could do that and it just kind of at that point it just clicked it was something I hadn't thought about before hadn't occurred to me but it was pretty much, I guess, when I was being offered this piece, um, and I'd never thought of that before. And so uh, I, I took it and ran with it. And since then, it's been uh, producing models as well as doing custom builds of them. Wonderful. Well, that's great. Sometimes those aha moments come from places that uh, are right in front of your face. And yes, yeah, you can take them and run with them. So that's great. Thanks for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Marshall, let's have a little fun here. What was your first car... And 
What kind of fun did you have with that car? Maybe trips or memories or modifications? And I'm going to add another part to this question. What was your first model car? On the first car, since that was the first part of the question, I'll I'll start with that. First car was nothing to write home about. And funnily enough, for all the cars that I'd experienced and been surrounded by, my first car was a 1982 Toyota Celica GT Fastback. Hey, those were cool cars. It was pretty neat. And I bought it with a five-speed. I didn't need a car because we lived in New York City, but I wanted a car. So, um, and uh, that, that poor car suffered a lot of abuse um, under my hands, and uh, modifications were, were not much to it. You know, I just, uh, I forget, I, I threw on a different pair of tires. I got ordered BWA wheels that were always advertised and seemed to be in road and track and motor trend and everywhere. And, uh, you know, had thrown some, uh, had some uh, CB driving lights put on, um, which were great because I used to like to go out to um, where I uh, where I grew up out in Pennsylvania, and of course those roads, you know, were windy, narrow, dark, pitch black at night. I really liked to be able to see everything, and of course headlights on so many cars up until recently, you know, were you know not much better than a than a couple of flashlights strapped together or, <laughs> or some candles. So um, those driving lights really <laughs> helped and made me feel uh, you know much more confident and secure about. Uh, driving in general. I was going to say, uh, now what about your first model car? Wow. Uh, first model car. Um, ooh, that's that's a good question because there were, you know, I, I started when I was a kid uh, collecting a lot of old die-cast cars of the Corgi toys and Dinky and Matchbox and Salido and some other more obscure brands when I was a kid. I mean, and that's, I guess, and I had it from when I was old, and I just kind of jogged my memory. I mean, I remember at the age of, you know, I don't know, it was four or five or whatever in in our house. My parents uh, had one of my, one of the closets in my room. We had uh, a whole series of shelves put in so I could line up my car collection. Mm -hmm. And I used to tell everybody back then from when I was a tiny tot that this was my model collection or my car collection. I don't remember which. And I was collecting these, and that was the thing to do. And uh, I don't know where I got it from or how I knew, but, I mean, I had that, you know, idea of collecting um, model cars. And eventually, as I would discover better things, you know, throughout my life, and as a you know, teenager and then a young man, and growing, I would keep, I, there was a great deal of turnover in the collection from uh, sort of graduating from, from toys or from lesser models to the really, really good stuff. It's, it's a bit kind of uh, uh, mixed in there as to really the first model. Sure. Well, I was having this discussion a couple of days ago. I was telling him I remember my first model car really well. It was a Matchbox by Lesney, a red Jaguar XKE Coupe. The e- oh, man, that's still one of my favorites. I remember that. In fact, I was a kid. My sister had one. I can't tell you how many times I stole it from her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah. Any seller's remorse with real automobiles you've had over the years that maybe a car you sold that you really wish you had back? Yeah, there are sort of two remorse deals. One is a car that I sold, and one was a, uh, a trade deal that I had with a, with a uh, friend. The car that I sold that I still have uh, remorse over was a 65 Austin Healey 3000 Mark III. Mm. Um, Healy Blue, you know, silver painted wire wheels, and I had a lot of fun with it. I love that car. I still like the way they look and just everything that they offered, and I wouldn't mind having one again today, uh, one of these days. Everything these days is just tied up in the uh, business and in the family. Sure. Um, car deal that I 
had passed on, which, you know, it's one of those things, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. But um, again, going back to, I guess it was you know, sometime in the 80s, late 80s or very early 90s, um, we had a friend of ours, I used to live in Connecticut, he was heavy into Bentleys, and then he had some, some cars that he would buy and sell, things that were, you know, 1950s and 60s vintage. He wanted me to build, to scratch build a model of one of his Bentleys. He had this kind of like bolt tail speedster. Um, I guess from the 30s, I, I really don't even remember the designation, you know, three and a half or four and a half liter. But anyway, he had a, um, a 50s, I remember if it was James Young or Hooper, it was a... Uh, Bentley um, two-door uh, convertible. It was a fairly rare one. It was a very rare one. The particular body style wasn't a typical, um, you know, cloud style. It was more of a specialized body and needed a restoration. Um, he wanted to trade me that car for the scratch built. Mm. <laughs> and all I could think about was all the work that I had to do and then what a restoration was going to cost then. And, you know, I should have... I should have just done it and held on to the car. And, you know, of course, today, and I'd love to have that car. You know, the... Uh, Easy come, easy go. You can't look back, that's for sure. No, you can't. Is there a current project you're working on right now that really has you excited and fired up? I'd say that there are two that really do, um, as soon as I can get back to them, because I'm finishing off a a one-off scratch-built model for one of my customers of one of his cars, But when I have, which is a Ferrari 250 short wheelbase. Ooh. When I have that model done very shortly... Um, yeah, it's 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 great, but it's it's also uh, made me realize a few other things about what I'm going to continue doing and not continue doing. Um, but uh, a couple of projects that I have in the works that I am very excited about are um, again they're CMA limited editions. Um, I'm doing the uh, Scarab Mark II front engine uh, Roadster, um, mm, nice. and I'm going to do a couple of versions. Yeah, I've put a huge amount into that. A lot of a lot of research. Also, a uh, Delage uh, D8 uh, aerodynamic uh, coupe, uh, which oh, was beautiful. the uh, Pebble Beach winner, I forget, several years ago. Ah, oh, I remember that car, yeah. Yeah, spectacular. When I stood on, when I was on the lawn, as uh, as uh, sung by Sam Mann, and as he drove the car in, you know, it's just one of, it was one of those few times where a car has literally stopped me in my tracks. That was one of the ones that did it. And, uh, yeah, just an amazing vehicle. What's your favorite way to spend time in your garage with your cars? Is it wrenching on them, detailing, or just going out and driving them? It's getting in and just driving because it's kind of like what I do every day since I'm tinkering and building and around things. The last thing I want to do is is pretty much (laughs) pick up any tools or anything else. I just want to get in and drive. Awesome. that's 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 my favorite thing to do with with the cars rather than uh, having another project that I have to work on. Okay, Marshall, this is one of my favorite parts of our talk. It's called The Last Lap. This is where I fire off a series of questions, and you give our listeners very quick blips of the throttle answers. So as a driver, this should be kind of fun. So are you ready? I think I am as ready as I'm going to be. Okay, here we go. What is the best automotive advice you have ever received? Um, I would say, um, and it's something that I've heard time and time again from a number of people, friends and, and fellow collectors, uh, you know, buy the best, um, and I'll add to that, and run away from any projects. So mm-hmm. it's just, uh, <laughs> they, they always turn out to be something other than what you ever dreamed they would be or had nightmares about. Seems to be a common thread answer I've heard from many people, so words of wisdom. Mm-hmm. Would you share a personal habit that you believe contributes to your success? Um, a couple of them. Is One is 
simply focus. Focus on what you're doing. Try not to get too distracted by so many other things, which is one of my biggest downfalls because I do get distracted by a lot, but I really try to focus on that. Whether And, and in a project or in day-to-day work, if you see so much that you have to do and get overwhelmed by it, compartmentalize it. Work on a section at a time and just visualize that and stick with that. Get through that, and then you move on to the next phase of whatever it is that you have to do. Um, and also... Um, you know, reply to uh, reply to people. You know, respond to inquiries, questions, et cetera, Whether it's uh, by the mail, whether it's email, or whether it's phone, I find that uh, so many people don't or are slow. Either they either don't reply at all, or they're slow to do it. You miss out on an awful lot like that. Well, those are two great answers. And uh, there's a uh, podcaster, a great podcaster named John Lee Dumas, who uses that term focus often. And his terminology for focus is it stands for follow one course until successful. Do you have a a resource that you'd like to share with our listeners, maybe a website or suppliers that you found to be really useful? Yeah, I do. And it's funny, when I was looking this over, too, on some of the notes, I found that part of the problem with our changing world is that some of the really great suppliers that you have one week um, are gone the next. Mm. And uh, that's what happened with one of the suppliers that I had. Um, so uh, I was going to recommend that one, but uh, they're not really there. They've actually been um, absorbed or consumed by a, a monolith that's out there. So um, there is another one that I get things from on a regular basis, which is really very handy. It's called Rio Grande or Rio Grande, and they are um, they are specialized a tool and finding uh, supplier catering primarily to the jewelry industry. But they have a wealth of really high-quality hand tools and fine, small tools, the type that I need to work with, as well as all sorts of uh, specialized packaging and other bits and pieces. Just you know, they, they produce a couple of really great, great catalogs, and just their hand tools in themselves are, are, are worth it. You know, It's really quality products. Is there a book that you've recently read that you would share with our listeners that you enjoyed quite a bit? Wow, there there are a number, and again, uh, part of it goes back to my eclectic taste. So um, it, it, that's a tough one. Um, I just would, I guess, limit some of that to automotive, and then limiting it further uh, would be one of the books that I found really uh, useful and great, but it also caters to a lot of my interest. Is one that came out several years ago by uh, Richard Adato, um, and it's called From Passion to Perfection. Mm-hmm. Um, a great, great book, um, and there's so many others. I mean, there's Simon Moore's Immortal 2.9 Alpha. There's um, there's a two-volume set on Atalba Lago, uh, Grand Sport uh, by Peter Larson. Well, I'll remind our listeners that we'll post all these show notes um, at carsyad.com slash marshallbuck, so you can find these references. They'll be listed on the show notes page. And now we're up to the checkered flag, Marshall, and This is uh, the last question that I'm going to ask you today. I like to call it a real doozy. If you could only have one collector car in your garage, something that you couldn't sell to buy other cars with, and money is just no object, what would it be, and more importantly, why? That's an easy one for me, and I know who has it, but I'll never be able to pry it loose for him. Um, In 1938, Alfa Romeo 8C2900B Spider. Um, and it's the uh, uh, chassis number fails me at the moment, but it's the black one with red that John Bozart owns. Uh-huh. And uh, it's well known. Everybody knows he owns the car. I mean, it's been out there and around and on rallies. And uh, again, it was a Pebble Beach winner. That, to me, 
if and that that's been the case for a long long time if i could have just one car that would be it with no qualms about you know never selling and all that and it certainly is a, a money is no object car um being worth a ridiculous you know amount of money fabulous piece of machinery what is it about that car that has you so excited about it Everything about it. Again, I, I, I think the first thing that grabs me about any vehicle or, or anything that I look at, whether it's a home, a piece of furniture, a watch, anything else, it's aesthetics. First of all, I think for anything to really have value, um, and this seems to be something I see time and time again, it's got to look great, and that car looks great. Then you go into rarity factor. Then you go into the engineering. I mean, it was they were incredibly advanced cars for the day. Um, you know, supercharged engine. Uh, they they were so competitive in races. Uh, they drove and handled beautifully. The, and the quality and the craftsmanship that the that the, that they had was just uh, just amazing. You know, and bodies by Touring, Superleger, and just. Really stunning piece of machinery. Everything about the car is right. It makes the right sounds. It does the right things. And uh, I've been fortunate enough to have the opportunity to, to sit as a passenger in that car too. Oh. And uh, you know, and I remember barreling along on some highways in uh, California on that. And uh, wow, um, you know, it's just it's wonderful. There isn't any there isn't any downside to that. I, I guess uh, except um, you know perhaps uh, the cost of maintenance, but. Uh, if you had it, you'd find a way, no matter uh, what, uh, where your standing was or where your bank account was. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, John has some spectacular cars, that's for sure. That is a beauty, yes. so great choice. Yeah. Well, Marshall, you've taken us on a great ride today, and I've really enjoyed your stories and learning more about what you're doing. Thanks for sharing your journey with us. If you would please give our listeners one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset, and then let them know what's the best way for them to find you. And then we'll say goodbye. I would say two things. Yeah, exactly. Well, in terms of uh, the piece of advice, mine is for, for people, anyone that, that drives a car these days, don't text and drive. There is no text that's worth your life or anybody else's life. Great advice. It j- just simply, there isn't. No excuse. Uh, and uh, my website is uh, cmamodels.com. Wonderful. Well, listeners, you can find the links to everything we've talked about here today at carsyad.com slash marshallbuck. Just go to carsyad.com and enter Marshall in the search bar and the show notes page will pop right up. Marshall, I want to thank you for being so generous with your time and your expertise and sharing your story with our listeners. Until we talk again, we'll see you down the road. Great. Thank you, Mark. Really enjoyed it. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.